word, but they, they got along. It's an extraordinarily unusual arrangement given where they live. Like they started out sort of at least Olive Byrne started out in Bohemia, like in Greenwich Village. That's where Ethel Byrne and Margaret Sanger lived. And in 1925, when Marston was a professor at Tufts outside of Boston, he met Olive Byrne. She had Marston as her professor and they fell in love. And Marston, you know, just told his wife that this would solve all their problems because she wanted to have children. (laughs) And at the time, this is the sort of early generation of women going to college and having professions. And and Marston's wife was working. She wanted to have children. She didn't want to stop working. And Marston, oh, I have a good idea. (laughs) We'll bring this young (laughs) woman who's 10 years younger than you are. She would love to raise your children and, you know, be my mistress. And, and, you know, you can keep working and and she'll raise the children. And so each woman had two children. And that is indeed what happened. Marston and his wife worked and Olive Byrne stayed home and took care of all four children. Wow. Incredible story. Um, So how does Wonder Woman come out of all of this? So they had these kids, and Olive Byrne got a job working for Family Circle magazine. This is just a hoot. As a staff writer, and her job was to tell American housewives who picked up Family Circle at the grocery store, you know, how to have a happy home life. (laughs) (laughs) A happy, probably conventional home life. Yeah, except, you know, not so much Family Circle, but Family (laughs) Triangle. So in her stories in Family Circle, Olive Byrne would, would, she had this whole ruse. She would go to visit world-famous consulting psychologist William Moulton Marston. Marston was quite famous. He was like a kind of Dr. Oz kind of figure. So um, Byrne would go visit him. She would ask him questions about how to raise her children. Without, of course, revealing that she lived in a house with him and her children were his children. And one day she goes to see him and she, to ask him, you know, whether comic books are good or bad for children. And he says, oh, no, comic books are great for kids. Well, M.C. Gaines, who is the publisher of what are the Justice Society comics, which have Superman and Batman and all these other superheroes, is delighted by this because he has a huge PR problem. People are, like, actually burning comic books in town commons in the 1930s. And so he brings Marston into his office and he says, you know, I read this great article by this Olive Byrne family circle and, you know, I'd love to hire you as a consultant. And so Marston's hired as a consultant. And Marston says, undoubtedly, partly at the behest of his wife and of Olive Byrne, the thing, though, that would be really good for your PR problem is if you had a female superhero, because most of the critics are actually just complaining about the masculinity and the violence of the comics. But if you had a female superhero who was fighting for women's rights and whose weapon was truth and who believed in love and who never killed her enemies, well, your critics could say nothing against you. And so we got the green light to create Wonder Woman. Yeah, so Gaines said, oh, well, that's great, but why don't you write it? So Marston <laughs> creates Wonder Woman and all of Burn at Home types of all the scripts, and they hire an artist, and they create Wonder Woman. And the thing is, his model for Wonder Woman was not just Sanger, but all the suffragists from the 19-teens and the feminists from the 19-teens, all of the sort of secret tricks that Wonder Woman has actually come from the suffrage and feminist and birth control movements of the 1910s. Yeah, it's an incredible story. And so Wonder Woman is this, you know, very strong woman. She also looks like a pinup girl. Yeah, and Marston loved that about her. So Marston, he was a great fan of pornography and erotica, as were many people in the comic book industry. There's a really close, remains a really close and deeply troubling, distressing relationship between comic books as a genre and men's magazines, say. So, and Marston came out of that tradition of men's magazines. You know, Esquire had started in 1933. Marston was a staff writer for Esquire. Esquire was the first, you know, gentleman's magazine to have these pinups, you know, the kind of Betty Grable, leggy, busty, thin-waisted, uh, pomaded <laughs> girl. That was the aesthetic of the 1940s when Wonder Woman was created. And Marston really 
believed in female beauty of that sort. Uh, he would have a kind of deeply elaborate psychological explanation for this, but also he clearly, this was just his thing. Well, and then if there's one other uh, feature of Wonder Woman's character that um, if she is chained up, she loses her superhuman strength. And so there is scene after scene of her getting chained up. I mean, basically bondage imagery. Where does that come from? Yeah, so it was really controversial, mainly because she's chained up all the time. And so the comic was banned and became really controversial. And Marston was asked to defend it again and again and again. And he would say, look, she is an allegory for the emancipation of women. And in order for that allegory to be delivered in a, basically a book for children, it has to be through symbolism. So she has to be chained up in each issue so that she can break free of her chains and show that women are emancipated and that they can emancipate themselves and no one needs to rescue them. And it's puzzling on the one hand, and it is obviously a kind of fetish, right? Uh-huh. I mean, there's.